It's Against All Odds presented by FanDuel. You know, the playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. You filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today. And bet with Fandle, America's number one sports book. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 or older, 18 or older in D.C., and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Cousin Sal's winning weekend. Wow, thank you. You guys are already in midseason form. Hey, I earned these applause after going 7-6-1 with my picks last week. An actual winning weekend. But I'm not resting on my laurels. No, no, no. We have a great show for you. The international games kick off on Sunday, and I have more than a few thoughts on that during this week's Wager Rager. Former NFL All-Pro wide receiver and Cincinnati Bengal great TJ Hushmanzada will be joining us. And my buddy Harry, despite picking games at a 33% clip a couple weeks back, is in the handicapper hot seat helping me select all the important pro and college games. But right now, let's recap that NFC North mismatch up on Thursday night. Yes, my four takeaways in the conveniently named segment, Cover 4. Cover 1. Is there anything better than winning a prop bet less than two minutes into a game? I'll answer that for you. No, there is not. Jared Goff throwing an interception is my new favorite bet in all of football. Plus 112. I gave it out. Check it out. We even have a graphic right there. The thing paid off before I had a chance to polish off a sleeve of double-stuffed Oreos. That's my tradition. And this is now three straight games Jared Goff has thrown in interception. Weird thing, aside from me winning a bet, is that Goff went 383 attempts without an interception, only 43 away from the record, and now he can't go one game without throwing a pick. It's like if someone had perfect attendance the entire school year and then suddenly every week called in sick with hand, foot, and mouth disease. Sure, Jared Goff was a winner tonight, but it took three hours longer than it took me. Cover two, did anyone see this during the telecast? In an effort to illustrate how close Jared Goff and Dan Campbell have become, the Amazon production crew cut away to someone in the stands wearing a sweatshirt with a picture of Campbell and Goff superimposed on the 2008 Step Brothers poster. There it is, fun, except no one bothered to tell Al Michaels what the reference was. Poor Al was confused and thought it was their actual graduation picture. And then Kirk Herbstreet, he was no help. He left Al hanging like a broken down ski lift. Listen, producers, unless you're referencing Casablanca or Gone with the Wind sweatshirts, just let Al call the game. He's 78. He knows the Wright brothers, not the Step brothers. Had he figured that one out, I, for one, would believe in miracles. Cover three. All right, the Thursday night game had a couple of exciting moments, but really could have used something else to spice up the telecast. I mean, there were barely any Taylor Swift cutaways at all. It didn't feel like football. I guess Tay-Tay isn't as interested in Sam Laporta or Luke Musgrave, but... It got me thinking about what one of the great minds of the game, Lions coach Dan Campbell, said in the offseason. Coach Campbell, you may remember, commented that he would love for an actual lion to patrol the sidelines during the games. 
He was serious too, and it was dismissed as ridiculous, but I say restoring the roar safari style was a solid idea for a number of reasons. First off, these idiot fans who are fighting in the stands every week, they might think twice about throwing fists if there's a possibility the king of the jungle is gonna be set free on them. <laughs> Same goes for the late hits out of bounds. The aggressive defenders, they're gonna become harmless kittens when confronted with Mufasa. And thirdly, as a parent, you're killing two birds with one cat. You could tell your kid, hey, I took you to a football game and the zoo. Now don't ask me for anything until next Christmas. God bless you, Dan Campbell, Thursday night football god, 2-0 this year, and one of the great critical thinkers of our time. Cover four. The Packers got beat up 34-17, and I'm calling it right now. People are going to like this, but Lambeau has turned lame Thank you. Green Bay is now 6-5 at home since last season. A divorced father returning to pick up his power drill has more of a home field advantage than the Packers. What happened? Lambeau used to be the feared frozen tundra. Growing up, you thought there was a blizzard every September home game. Now, not only do they lose half the time, you have opposing players doing the Lambeau leap without consequence. If that happened in the 60s, Vince Lombardi would have beat him silly with his fedora. This might sound harsh, but it's time for these cheeseheads to have an owner's meeting and move the team. My two cents, the Laguna Leap has a really good ring to it, and LA could really use a third team. You know, there are some bets where you spend hours crunching the numbers and analyzing data, looking for an edge. Well, you're not gonna get any of that here. Settle in for my weekly attempt at a comedic and irrationally angry look at a bet I'm backing. It's time for Wager Wager. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. You know, I don't even know if we should continue with this segment. As on last week's installment of Wager Rager, I may have single-handedly jinxed my beloved Cowboys. And we unfortunately recorded it, so take a look and a listen. For the Arizona Cardinals, I see some wins in their not-so-distant future. Let's take a look. First one coming. Keep scrolling. Scroll the schedule. Almost there. Yes. Stop. Okay, there you go. I predicted the Cardinals wouldn't win for another seven weeks, and instead it was less than seven hours before they embarrassed my underachieving Cal bust. Well, I apologize to Cowboys Nation. I can only pray that Jerry keeps me in the will. Anyway, we can't do away with this segment altogether because we have sponsors and time commitments to adhere to. Oh, we don't. I'm, I'm being told we don't have sponsors. All right, you know what? We're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Let's go. Wager, wager. Yeah, week four starts the NFL's international series. The Jacksonville Jaguars head to jolly old England for a fortnight. Yeah, they're going to play overseas two weeks in a row. They're spending so much time in London this season that Trevor Lawrence's hair was already named prime minister. That's not a joke, that's a true story. It's crazy how this has happened too. The Jags playing in London has become an NFL tradition like the Lions playing on Thanksgiving or opposing fans getting pickpocketed in the black hole. And I'm not even sure how giving England crappy American football matchups originated. I heard it might date back to the Revolutionary War Treaty of 1776. I don't know, I still need to see Hamilton. One thing's for sure, the European fans love it. Look at these crowds, they don't care who's playing. No, seriously, they don't care. Everyone's favorite team is represented in the stands. It's eerily reminiscent of a Chargers home game. 
And while it's nice exposure for our nation's favorite game to be on display for the rest of the world, the early schedule definitely takes its toll on the American gambler. And I'm on the West Coast, so I literally just fell asleep after watching Pac-12 After Dark, and four hours later, I need to be up for kickoff? God save the queen? I say God save the betters. So here are some tips from your pal Sal on how to bet these early international games without causing a major disturbance in your life. Number one, before you go to bed, turn the volume way down low on your television. Trust me, Dan Orlovsky on full blast at 6.30 a.m. has caused more divorces than Larsa Pippen. <laughs> Two, minus three isn't the only spread you should be focusing on. You need to hide some tea and crumpets and marmalade under your comforter to give the viewing a real London feel. Honestly, London and football have nothing to do with this. I do this on a random Tuesday in May. So anyway, also, this should be a given, but send yourself a save the date reminder to set your fantasy lineup on Saturday night. And most importantly, place those bets early. And as far as I can tell, the FanDuel Sportsbook app works all day long. It's like a 24-hour gym, or so I've heard. So go to the app right now or anytime before two sleeps from now and jump on the Jaguars' first half point total under 10.5 this Sunday versus the Falcons. Yes, the Jacksonville offense takes a minute to rev up. Get this. They've scored fewer than 10.5 points in their first half of their games across the pond over the last four years, four in a row. Like the viewers, the offense is also exhausted. In fact, don't be surprised if you see Travis Etienne taking handoffs wearing a neck pillow. So there you go. Don't be daft. Put your bloody quid on the Jags first half under 10 and a half points scored. It's a bigger lock than Elton John wearing a bedazzled Jaguars jersey on Sunday. Yikes, trust me, it'll be a smashing success. So cheerio and poppycock. Hey, we got a Harry of our own and he's not of royal blood. In fact, he's barely human. My pal Harry Gagnon is in the handicapper hot seat. He's gonna help me pick all the important games on the week four slate when we return on Cousin Sal's winning weekend. Welcome back to Cousin Sal's Winning Weekend. It's time to pick some games. Hey, I was 7-6-1 last week. Thank you, thank you. That's as good as it gets. I mean, let's keep it rolling. And here to help us break down all the week four games, my old college buddy and former Oswego Palladium Times newspaper delivery boy of the year, Harry Gagnon. What's happening, Harry? What's up, Sal? I hope I can, uh, I hope I can pick some winners. First time go around wasn't the greatest, but we'll, we'll get it right this time. Harry, I, I don't believe any of that. Harry, you were at two games live last week, right? You saw, what did you see? You saw the Giants 49ers last Thursday, and you saw the Steelers and Raiders Sunday night, right? And also the Sunday before that, Giants and Cardinals. Oh, my goodness. And Three how games did, in eight days. I don't understand. Like, you don't usually, you usually watch the games, like, on your phone, like, on your flip phone and dots moving horizontally, and you, you refresh every 30 seconds. How did that compare to the live experience? Oh, the live experience was great. Uh, you know, uh, the Giants came back. I used to be a Giants fan. So, uh, you know, big comeback against Arizona. That was fun. <laughs> um, San Francisco. Wow. What, a, what a, the first time ever in uh, Levi Arena. That was fantastic. That was awesome. And uh, except the Giants got steamrolled and San Francisco right. rolled them. And the game in Las Vegas was great. I had the Steelers and I had the under. So that worked out nicely. And Sal, by the way, 
I paid zero, zero for all three tickets. Oh, I believe you don't have to make mention of the obvious, Harry. Everybody knows as soon as you get on a plane or land in a stadium or get a ticket to a concert or a game, it is for free. What's not for free is the money you cost everybody when you were on a couple weeks ago. You went six and 12. Yeah, Mm. boo, boo, boo. That was not good, Harry. You know, FanDuel TV execs want you off the air. And I said, listen, let's give him another shot before we banish him. He's used to banishments, but I think... We're going to give you another chance. I mean, you know what's at stake here. Are you ready to do this? Let's do it, bud. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Let's start. Lots of games. Starting with the Sunday morning game, Atlanta and Jacksonville in London. Three-point spread. Jacksonville is favored. 43-and-a-half is the over-under. I gave out the Jags under 10-and-a-half, Harry, in the first half in my Wager Rager segment. Oh, my God. I was red hot there. Uh, I am going to stay consistent with this bet and just bet them under 43 and a half the whole game under 43 and a half i'm not impressed with either of these offenses i really am not uh desmond ritter takes forever to get that team down the field trevor lawrence i'm not sure what happened um 17 points and nine points in the last two weeks jags have hit the under in four of their last five games the falcons hit the under in five of the last six games trevor lawrence harry 23 and 16 he's the most profitable under quarterback Mm. out of any of the i don't know it's like 88 starters or something the last couple years 23 and 16 most profitable quarterback when betting the under jet lag Lousy offenses. This could be in the mid-30s. Give me under 43 and a half. What do you got? All right, Sal, I'm going to take Atlanta plus three. Like I said, I'm going to take the three with Atlanta over the London Jags. All of a sudden, Jacksonville you said, can't find their offense, so I guess they're going to England to try to find it. Meanwhile, speaking mm. of not finding things, I fully expect Atlanta's running attack to return after last week's dismal performance versus Detroit. Bijan Robinson Sal bounces back with a big game for the London fans. And defensively, the Falcons are giving up just 18 points a game. And he just mentioned the last two games for the Jags, just 26 points. Give me Atlanta plus three. They're right now the better team. That was Harry's big fantasy pick, B. John Robinson. You better hope. By the way, no longer favored to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. That's now C.J. Stroud. So uh, keep an eye on that. Harry, will you be watching this game? Will you wake up early? You're on the West Coast. Will you wake up early for this? Or you I'll be up early. Think- you know, I'm up. if there's one thing I can do, right, I can wake up early. That's about it. You can so wake up early. Yeah. But then what do you do? What, what does watching mean? It's just all on your phone refreshing, right? Refreshing. Two, three, okay. four cups of coffee, you know, some uh, some Fruit Loops, and I'm good to all go. All right. <laughs> Fruit Loops. More Fruit Loops than coffee. I if you wake up early enough, maybe you could fly out and see the game live. All right, let's go Miami-Buffalo. This is the big one of the day, big one of the year. Uh, biggest over under, 53 and a half. And the Bills are favored by three over the Dolphins. And some people are like, what the hell is going on here? Why is the team that scored 70 points now an underdog by three to the up and down Bills? Um, Bills, we know, got tripped up in that first Monday night game against the Jets. That is now looking like the most bizarre result of the season dolphins like i said 70 uh 24 against the patriots the week before they beat up on the Chargers week one um now i don't know i'm looking at the bills going up against this offense people are saying it's one of the greatest of all time i want to i want to see a little more first hn first of all inactive which was a surprise surprise to brother bry who bid 91 dollars on him love in the free agent pool there love it um T- Mostert, obviously Tyreek Hill. Waddle is coming back. Uh, no Waddle last week, but they still put up 70. Finns lost nine of their last 10 against Buffalo. That's got to matter. History has to matter. And I think the Bills take care of business here. I know it's an unpopular pick, especially with this going to three, 
But 27-21 Bills, I think it's similar to that Patriots game where the Dolphins were only able to score 24 points. Give me 27-21. Josh Allen, the running Buffalo Bills, get it done. What do you got? I'm with you, Sal, on the Bills. Tough to figure out what Miami will do after posting 70 on Sean Payton last week. Sal, our colleague and buddy, John Dostromsky, has been telling me all week this game is personal for the Dolphins, and he almost, almost got me to change my mind, but I'm on Buffalo with you, buddy. After that Jets debacle, Buffalo is 2-0, outscoring their opponent 75-13. The Miami rushing game has been great, but the Bills is pretty good also. James Cook in the last two weeks has over 200 yards and is averaging six yards a carry this season. But it will be Buffalo's defense, I think, Sal, that wins the game for them. They have given up just two offensive touchdowns all season. Bills win this game by a touchdown. Miami, you know, a little humbled after that 70-point performance last week. I'll give Josh Allen some love here because we have uh, crapped on him in the past. But when the spread is three points or fewer on either side, Allen is 16-9 and one against the spread. Another one, uh, Brother Bry on our podcast pointed out on Against All Odds. Plus 420, a number near and dear to your heart, Harry, for this game to be the highest scoring of the day. Certainly makes sense if it's uh, 53 and a half, 54 is the over-under. All right, let's go to Philadelphia now. Uh, Washington at Philly, eight and a half is the spread. Philadelphia obviously favored. 43 and a half is the over-under. I am taking, people are going to think this is dumb. I don't know anyone else is doing this. Washington over 17 and a half points scored at plus 102. This is one of those bets that I'm making up as I go along with no trends to support it. And I'm also backing another bad-ish team um, to score points later on too. So get ready. Commanders looked awful last week. They couldn't protect Sam Howell. And when they did, He had trouble finding receivers against that Bills defense. Mm -hmm. Washington came into Philly and beat them on a Monday night last season. I called that. I don't know how, but I did call that. Uh, But they get Philly on a short week now. Eventually, I just think that defense has to let up. The total has hit over in seven of Philadelphia's last nine home games against Washington. And here's something else, Harry. Teams who scored three points or fewer the previous week, 73, 48, and four against the spread. That's 60%. That means Washington, in theory, should score points. I don't know how it's going to happen. Maybe there's a backdoor uh, last-minute touchdown in there, but I'm going over 17 and a half. You're just taking them by the spread here. Yeah, so you know I like Philadelphia for the whole season to win the, get to the Super Bowl and win it. But in this game, I am going to take the Commanders. Plus eight and a half. Commanders did lay an egg versus Buffalo, obviously, last week. But they are two and one still and did give Jalen Hurts, like you mentioned, his only home loss last season. In fact, Washington is two and two straight up in the last four games in Philadelphia. Sam Howell needs to just throw last week's four interception performance out the window. Get back to managing a solid game like he did in his wins versus Arizona and Denver. Philly gets to four and oh, but Washington plays tough here, Sal. Loses by four to seven points and get the cover. Yeah, they need the commanders to find a way to score 20, to reclaim the glory they held way back in August when they beat the um, the preseason juggernaut Ravens. Oh, what a big moment that was. All right, Pittsburgh at Houston. Houston catching three at home, 41 and a half is the over-under. I'm going to do a little teaser, Harry. You know, my mm-hmm. therapist said I should stay away from teasers. We had, um, I mean, he made a bet with me that I wouldn't, and so he, he won, I guess. But Houston plus nine and under 47 and a half, that's the teaser. Uh, I just don't think the Steelers score enough points week to week. I mean, you watch that offense, it's it's so dull. Najee Harris can't break tackles. 
you're basically checking in for two and a half hours, waiting for Kenny Pickett to connect with Pickens for him to get separation on a big gainer. And maybe it happens once. Meanwhile, CJ Stroud, I mentioned him for offensive rookie of the year. I got him at 10 to one. He's in the plus 300s now. Uh, over 900 yards passing already, no turnovers. He's not going to embarrass this team, but also not going to light up the scoreboard against Pittsburgh uh, like they did against Jacksonville. 23-20, 24-20, 24-17 type game. I'll take the near double-digit points on a teaser and tie it to the adjusted under 47 and a half. That's a winner, Harry. Which cool. way are you going? Like that. I, I, listen, I'm going to take I'm going to take Houston. I'm going to take the plus three here. Pittsburgh, very good as an underdog, as we saw last week in Las Vegas. But I don't trust them or Kenny Pickett as a favorite. He was awesome on the road. Versus, uh, CJ Stroud was awesome on the road against uh, Jacksonville. Uh, looked really good. He's averaging over 300 yards per game. Has solid receivers and Nico Collins, Robert Woods, and Tank Dell. They all have combined for 45 receptions. I think this is a kind of a letdown game for Pittsburgh on the road again. I like Houston the way they've been playing here. Blew out Jacksonville last week. Give me the plus three here with Houston, Sal. By the way, I love this stat here, and it helps both of our bets. Steelers, uh, they're coming off the road game in Vegas, obviously. Teams that are playing the Raiders on the road, um, after the week after nine and 17 against the spread since 2020 i don't know do we blame the stardust buffet there's so many things so many factors uh that could contribute to that trend all right denver at chicago go ahead harry what i was what just gonna say so i miss the stardust I was my, when i moved I to vegas it was my favorite place to go to miss the stardust it was great right it was great it was great yeah Den- probably like kid lost his wallet town. there that was great right? oh yeah so yeah. many stories all right listen denver at chicago speaking of terrible stories mm. Chicago plus three and a half. <laughs> the over-under is 46. I don't know why it's that high. Uh, this is a disaster of a game. Again, Denver was so bad last week. They allowed 70 points and are favored by more than a field goal on the road. This line reeks, and I'm not taking the bait. You would think you would take the Bears here, but I'm not. Their last win was on October 24th, 2022. They haven't scored more than 20 points in nine straight games when their opponents score more than 20 points, they're 19-0, and 0, the opponents are, against Justin Fields. It's bad. It's really bad. So all five Fields wins came when opponents scored 20 or fewer. Uh, so the magic number is 24 if you like Denver. Russ got there versus Washington. He got there four of the last five games in 2022. Uh, it's three and a hook. Don't be afraid. I like it 24-16. I'm taking Denver. Yeah, this game's brutal, Sal. Yeah, you're right. Don't be afraid. I'm going to jump on with you, too. These two are combined 0-6 straight up this year. They've given up 112 more points than they've scored. Despite getting derailed by the Dolphins, Denver, uh, Denver's other two losses were by combined just three points. The Bears mm-hmm. have lost three games by double digits, six straight by double digits, and dropped 13 games in a row overall. Justin Fields looks awful, isn't keeping drives alive even with his legs. Bears are a mess. Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, at least get this one and get the cover. Something to keep in mind. Bears plus 250, Broncos plus 390 to be the last remaining winless team on FanDuel. That's a fun one. Another fun one. Baltimore, Cleveland. The Browns, two and a half point favorite. 40 and a half is the over under. I love the Browns. I love them all preseason. I'd love them even more if the Ravens hadn't blown that game to the Colts last week. Now, they don't usually drop two in a row under the Harbaugh uh, Lamar regime, but I have a lot of confidence in Cleveland. More in Watson, too, after last week. Uh, Miles Garrett, already four and a half sacks. Darius Smith on the mm-hmm. other end, playing well. Delpit and Ward in the secondary. That defense is ridiculous. Their opponent's average drive time is a minute and 48. 
the lowest by over 20 seconds, Harry. I'm taking the Browns. I picked them to win the division. That's plus 210 now. They win 26-17. I think you like them as well. Yeah, you read my mind. I got the same stuff. I, I Listen, I'm banking on the Browns' defense to beat Baltimore here. Miles Garrett, you mentioned four and a half sacks. Delpit and Ward have been tremendous in the secondary. And Baltimore hasn't had a receiver go for 80 yards or more all season. Plus, Cleveland is first in the NFL in points allowed. They're also first in time possession, which means Lamar doesn't find himself on the field as much as he would like. And maybe, just maybe, Sal, Deshaun Watson is finding himself after going 27 of 33 last week and two touchdowns versus Tennessee. Let's go with your brownies. I think he is. All right, Raiders at Chargers. This was six and a half. It went down to five and a half. Chargers favored. Jimmy G's availability is in question. 48 and a half is the over under. He's in concussion protocol. It's tough because if you like the Raiders and you're betting him and Jimmy G doesn't come out of concussion protocol, you're backing Brian Hoyer. But it's also tough if you take the Chargers because they are laying points and you should never take them laying points. I don't care if it's against Troy State. Staley is a favorite, only 11 and 14 against the spread. Listen, there's going to be points scored. The Chargers are second in NFL in total offense, 417 yards a game. They allow almost 30 a game. That's 31st in the league. They score, but they get scored on, Harry. That's how it is. Um, You know, you were at that game last week. It's weird, right, in Las Vegas, which was basically a home game for the Steelers. Here's the opposite. They're going to go to SoFi, and they're going to have 70 to 80% of the fans. Uh, I'm taking the Raiders here, plus the five and a half. You know, I, you're probably right, Sal, but I, it's crazy laying this many points for with the Chargers. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it here. The Chargers finally got their first win of the season, and very easily they could be three and zero. The Raiders, the Raiders are a nightmare right now. McDaniel's making terrible decisions. You mentioned Jimmy G still in concussion protocol, and Las Vegas hasn't scored twenty points or more yet this season. Justin Herbert is completing it. 75% of his passes and the Chargers are second in total yards and fifth in points scored. I know it's not in the Chargers nature to beat anyone by seven or more, but this game is a great spot for them. I'm going to do it, Sal. I'm going to lay the six and a half with the Chargers. All right. Well, look at the chart. I'm, I'm banking on the Raiders last 20 games as a road underdog, 13 and seven against the number. Hey, Harry, you're not, you don't have anywhere to go, right? No, not at all, Sal. Okay, don't move. Not what you were going to. When we return, more NFL and college picks with Cousin Sal's winning weekend. Stick around. All right, welcome back to Cousin Sal's winning weekend. We are still joined by the face of responsible gambling, my pal, Harry Gagnon. Harry, you know, a few weeks ago on the Against All Odds podcast, you neglected to wish your dear wife a happy birthday, and you were really, really torn up about it. Do you want to take this opportunity to make up for it? It's too late now. No. <laughs> okay, great. It's too late. Angie, happy That's birthday. True. How about that? All right. Happy true. birthday. Wow. That's how every sports gambling segment should start. Okay. Let's uh, go over my game now. This is where the laughing stops. New England at Dallas. I am worried about this because I have to go on that podcast with Bill Simmons Sunday night after this game. Dallas is a six and a half point favorite. It was seven. 43 and a half is the over under. I'm concerned. We got gashed for 222 yards on the ground by what seemed to be a team that everybody was saying was tanking the Arizona Cardinals. The play calling was laughable at the end of the game. They didn't want Dak throwing the ball. uh, And then it became obvious why he threw uh, into triple coverage. and, And that was the end of the game. I feel though, the Patriots are the easiest team in the league to pinpoint, right? You know what you're getting out of them. Not a lot of big play capability on offense. They're going to beat you up defensively. Judon up front, that Christian Gonzalez is already a star. But 
if you know if you're the Patriots in 80 or 90 percent of the games it's going to be a 17-14 game late in the third early fourth quarter and then Mac Jones is going to have to win it for you and I don't think that's going to happen this week I think the boys defense is going to be tough this week on Mac Jones who has lost 11 straight as an underdog and is 3-12 and 12 against the spread as an underdog in the last 15. The trends are all on my side here, Harry. I wish oh. we could just go by the trends because the Cowboys are 9-1 and one against the spread off of a loss over the previous two seasons. 27-16, that's my final. You're going against me. How dare oh, so you? For, for, for years, for years, how many times, how many times would I rip on Zeke Elliott on against all odds against you against parlay kid but zeke makes his return to dallas sal and i'm on the patriots coming mm. off his best game as a patriot belichick squad easily could be three and oh and they held miami to 24 points two weeks ago which now seems like a tremendous accomplishment dallas beat both boring offensive teams from new york uh they lose digs and get then they get smoked by arizona i don't trust dak and dallas to win by seven or more plus Belichick getting six and a half points seems like the safe bet here. Give me the Pats with six and a half. I'm on with Bill Simmons here. I don't like uh, Bill Belichick. I don't like Bill Simmons either. I don't like Bill Bill <laughs> Belichick just stealing. Our, already there's uh, some chicanery in, in the works there. He's taking Will Greer off our practice squad, getting as many secrets as he can. He already got Ezekiel Elliott, as uh, you said. But I just think if uh, Mac Jones is down a touchdown or more late, we're going to put him away. And put them away quickly. All right, Kansas City at the Jets. This is a Sunday night game. They couldn't flex it. Maybe they tried to, but then there was talk about Taylor Swift, and forget it. That ends up being the whole show. Nine and a half point favorite the Chiefs are. 41 and a half is the over-under. This is another dumb, 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 dumb pick by me. Jets over 15 and a half points scored. They scored 10 the last two weeks. Uh, it's an ugly bet. It might even be uglier than my commander's bet earlier. But I have to think the Chiefs' focus gets a little hazy against some of these bad teams, right? Their defense allowed 11 points, uh, you know, 11 points per game, and that because I took away that pick six in the first game against the Lions. So it ends up being 11, and they're expecting the Jets and Zach Wilson, who everybody hates, to score more than 15 and a half points. Um, Look, this could be a 35-20 game or a 30-20 game, a comfortable win on the road, but I like the Jets to come back. I gave you that stat earlier. Teams that don't score the week before come back with a vengeance. And teams that are underdogs by over a touchdown at home, Harry, at mm. night, 8-2 and two against the spread since 2020. Give me the J-E-T-S to cover this game. And as a bonus, eight and a half cutaways to Taylor Swift eating mm. chicken fingers. Wow. Well, Sal, you know, I'm going to lay the points with the with I'm going to lay them with Kansas City. Andy Reid's offense looks good again after Whoa. hanging 41 on Chicago. The Jets just can't manufacture points. They just you said they have 10 points in two games. And if you take away that punt return versus Buffalo in week one, they scored to 16 in that one. So I'm going to, I'm, you know, you know, my, my history with Andy Reid. I'm banking on him here on Sunday. And Sal, I got a bet for you, by the way. I got an over under speaking of nine and a half, nine and a half. You just mentioned how many times the NBC camera crew will show New York or Taylor Swift in the luxury suite in MetLife Stadium Sunday night, nine and a half. What do you think the number is? All right. Well, I think I just said that. Didn't I just say that? Didn't I, I just said that? I, but over right. under? Hit, hit yourself in the head. Yeah, I think I, I made a chicken finger joke and everything. All right. Uh, it's I okay. Know, but... All right. Nine and a half. We'll go with your number. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Harry, Seattle at the Giants Monday night. One and a half point favorite. The Giants are at home. Um, I'm taking Seattle. You know, they're not San Francisco. They're not going to wallop the Giants like we saw last Thursday, but they. They're better than the Giants. Jackson Smith and Jigba has done anything. I think this is his breakout game. Uh, you can't really trust either team defensively, but you know what you can't trust? 
You can't trust Danny Dimes. 0-5 straight up at home in primetime now. A lot of that was thanks to the Cowboys. I think he handed them, uh, Danny Dimes, three of those losses. But um, the Giants had one good half this year offensively. Mm -hmm. That's it. That was it against Arizona, second half. I don't trust this offense. Don't trust the defense. Taking Seattle plus one and a half, they're the better team. I'm with you, Sal. New York's offensive line is trash. The Giants have no running game whatsoever, and that was the case with Saquon Barkley, let alone without him. New York's just 3-7-1 and one straight up in their last 11 regular season games. Seattle has just too much offense. It's uh, form, uh, former Jet and Giant quarterback Geno Smith's time mm-hmm. to shine, I think, Sal, here. He has over 600 yards passing in the last two wins, and Seattle has erupted with back-to-back 37-point games. Again, too much offense. For Seattle, New York goes to one and three. Seattle gets this one. My wife, against my wishes, joined the fantasy league with her friends, her local friends, and she has both Geno Smith and Daniel Jones. And it's been all week me trying to figure out. I mean, I'm like, just go Geno Smith. I don't care. And you know, Daniel Jones is going to light it up, and then I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, just another team I have to take care of, uh, keep track of. All right, <laughs> USC at Colorado, 21 and a half. You know, Todd Furman. I said to Mikey Meatballs earlier in the week. I said. This line, Todd Furman reported this opened at 28 and a half. It's down to 21 and a half. 73 and a half is the over under. I've been going against Coach Prime all year or all month at least. I'm two and two against the spread and so are the buffs. Um, look, they're exciting. They're fun. They're groundbreaking. They got East Coasters to stay up past midnight to watch them play in state rifle, Colorado State, in a game that didn't matter. But they were exposed last week. When they go against the bigs, they're going to be exposed. Uh, the good news is their offense should be as good as ASU and San Jose State, who both put up 28 against USC. And U- ASU was like scoreless for six quarters mm-hmm. before that game against USC. So they should be able to score. The bad news is they're the 12th worst scoring defense in the Pac-12, and Caleb Williams has been perfect. 18 touchdowns, no interceptions. I'm adjusting the line, Harry, to minus 14 and a half, and I'm adjusting the over-under to 65 and a half, and I'm putting those together. No backdoor cover. I don't have to worry about it. Give me USC minus 14 and a half in the same game parlay with the over 65 and a half. What are you doing? I do like you over there in the in the uh, in 65 adjusted, Sal, but I'm going to take Colorado. I'm going to take them plus the 21 and a half against the Trojans. USC, we know with Caleb Williams as a scoring machine, but I think their defense is soft. As you mentioned, Sal, they gave up a 28 to San Jose State, you mentioned, and to Arizona State. Um, and the best win that USC probably has is against Stanford, who lost to Sacramento State at home this year. Aside from last week's um, loss to Oregon, Shadur Sanders and the Buffaloes are averaging 42 points a game. Colorado had their letdown game in Eugene. Now Deanna and his team are back in Boulder, getting more than three touchdowns. I'm putting my cash on Coach Prime. All right. Uh, I just I just worry about some stupid. I, I see a 47-30. I think that would be enough of a beatdown, but not enough to cover. So I got I got a little um, adjusted line motion going in there. LSU at Mississippi, two and a half is the spread. Mississippi at home catching the points. 67 and a half the over on. There's a weird line. John Jastrzemski, the aforementioned, we call this a rat line. Ole Miss looks so inept offensively against Alabama. They were like three for 14 on third down. LSU, though, squeaked by Arkansas. Last second field goal. I'm taking the Rebs, Harry. Jackson Dart, like I said, not great offensively, that team. He wasn't that bad. They just couldn't score, and it was a must win for Alabama. LSU allowed over 230 passing yards per game to some 
pretty weak or meager offenses. So I think Dart has a good game, bounces back. Plus, Ole Miss is great at home, 16-2 and two in their last 18. They beat LSU by double digits last time they played in Oxford. 33-28 Rebs. What do you got? Yeah, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Rebels too. Both teams coming to this three and one. Last week you mentioned Mississippi played poorly uh, in Tuscaloosa, especially on offense. Lane Kiffin's guys are back home and quarterback Jackson Dart and the Rebels will bounce back uh, as a small fate underdog here in Oxford. I'm not a Brian Kelly fan, not a Brian Kelly guy. Brian Kelly guy LSU at home last week. Barely escaped Arkansas, who lost at home the week before to BYU. Arkansas's K.J. Jefferson put up 300 yards and three touchdowns versus LSU last week. Why can't Dart do that at home versus the Tigers? Ole Miss plus two and a half here, Sal, and maybe, maybe a little sprinkle on the money line. Yeah, I think like Lane Kiffin is due for something to say something outrageous in a celebratory post-game mm-hmm. interview, you know, something like that. Maybe goes off on Brian Kelly's wife. Who knows? It's also crazy with these coaches lately. All right, uh, Notre Dame. At Duke, five and a half. The Duke Blue Devils are catching at home. 52 and a half is the over under. Uh, I'm taking Duke first half plus three and a half minus 124. There's not much to not like about this Duke team. Um, they beat up on Clemson. Then they had some cupcakes. Lafayette, Northwestern, UConn. Uh, I like taking the points here in the first half. Notre Dame has a stretch of undefeated opponents potentially. I mentioned on the podcast the other day, Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, if they get back by North Carolina State, USC, this is a good match. Uh, Duke is top three in the country defensively, and Notre Dame scores 35-plus points a game. I like this Riley Leonard. He's been doing it on the ground as a quarterback, 98 yards yep. rushing versus Clemson, 97 a couple weeks ago against Northwestern. My thinking is Notre Dame and Sam Hartman may wear the Blue Devils down eventually, but the excitement in the stadium – Plus the fact that Duke's taking care of business 71-20 in the first half, the first four games, makes me think getting that extra half point is good value. Plus three and a half first half. What you got, Aaron? I hear you, Sal. I like that. But I also do like Duke with the five and a half for the entire game. This game has let down City written all over for the Irish after losing late in South Bend versus the Buckeyes. Blue Devils quarterback, you mentioned Riley Leonard, was tremendous uh, so far this season. In, and also in shocking Clemson in their opener, Duke's 4-0 to start the season. He can beat you with his legs and his arm. He has zero picks this season, four rushing touchdowns. Duke on defense in four games has given up just seven points in three of them. Sam Hartman had tough time last week, and Notre Dame is back in North Carolina for the second time in four weeks. Give me the Dukies. All right, lots of good. There's one Friday night, lots of good Pac-12 games every single week. Utah at Oregon State. Oregon State, three-and-a-half point favorite, 44-and-a-half is the over-under. Harry, is this a disrespectful line? You have the back-to-back Pac-12 champs in Utah who are undefeated, and they are getting points at Oregon State. Oregon State lost the thriller to Washington State, 38-35. Utah, not as thrilling against UCLA. They won 14-7. They needed a defensive touchdown to take it. They're doing with a third-string quarterback. They might be doing it with a third-string running back and a second-string tight end. I just think the luck runs out for Utah this week. I'm taking Oregon State. I'm biting, taking the three and a half, giving, uh, what do I want to say, 27-20. I take Oregon State. I think DJ Wagalele does it running, and Damian Martinez also contributes on the ground. That's a seven-point win. 
Yeah, I'm on Oregon State too. It's just a matter. Listen, I, I understand what Utah's done in the past, but just the injuries are compiling. Uh, you know, compiling up. I I, I don't want to disrespect the two-time defending Pac-12 champs, but they. It's okay. They're only, not watching. Yeah. Only mustered one offensive touchdown versus UCLA, and injuries might just be catching up to them. Like I said, quarterback Cam Rising is probably out again. Utah mm-hmm. may be four and zero here, but have scored just for fourteen versus UCLA. Like I said, twenty-four versus Florida at home. Had twenty versus a bad Baylor team. DJ. KU put up 35 last week versus a solid Washington State team. He has 12 total touchdowns, 100% healthy. I'm in on Utah, but that's not the case here. Right now, Oregon State's offense is far better than the Utes. Beaver Sal, big. I agree. Big. And they're big. They do they do good things at home. 13-1 at home over the past two or more seasons. Hey, speaking of Oregon State, coming up, one of my best Beaver buds and former NFL All-Pro, TJ Hushmanzada. Harry, you got anything else to plug? Look, Sal, I just got against all odds with you, cousin Sal. We we do this every, twice a week, and it's fantastic. And also, by the way, just tell TJ I said hi, and tell him we're both on Oregon State, so he's not mad at us. Okay? Okay. Yeah, I don't want him getting mad at me yeah. at all. All right. <laughs> Follow Harry on X at AAO Harry. Thanks, Harry. Good luck this weekend. Stick around for more cousin Sal's winning awesome, weekend. Buddy. Thanks. Sal's winning weekend. Let's bring in our guest. He is one of, if not the greatest wide receiver in Cincinnati Bengals history. I mean that. He still holds a record for most receptions in a season and shattered the record for most letters in a last name. That one will never be beat. Nice try, Israel Abanaconda. One of my very favorites, TJ Hushmanzada. Bengals got their first win of the season Monday night. Uh, been tough to read this season. Did you like what you saw out of the team Monday? I like the fact that they won. Uh, did mm. I like what I saw? They they need to improve. Um, but I will say this: Joe showed a lot of selflessness by going out there in the condition that he was in. Didn't play his best, but played his best when it was needed. It, it was it was a tough game, man. Um, defense, <laughs> the defense kept the Bengals in the game, and mm-hmm. Joe and Jamar made enough plays when it mattered. But they are going to have to improve. Joe is going to have to get better week by week because if he gets hurt again, he's probably going to miss four to five weeks, maybe six. And if that happens, oh, the 2023 season has been a waste. (laughs) What is it like for you as a receiver when you know your quarterback's not 100% and he can't sling it downfield like he's normally capable of and you have to shorten up your routes and the D-backs kind of know? Is is that a, a weird big adjustment you have to make? You can tell he was compromised. You watch yeah. him, he, he was compromised. And the fact that he went out there and put himself, there's a lot of guys. And yeah, he signed a contract and financially he's secure. But when you have a muscle injury, and I was a guy that had quite a few muscle injuries early in my career, you feel you can go, but you can never really get the top speed. As soon as you try to really turn it loose, bomb, it's going to pop again or it's going to tear again. And so, you have to be smart and careful. The division is loaded, right? So the Steelers are always going to play great defense. Say what you will, will about the quarterback, who I think is amongst the bottom three uh, picking in QBR. Uh, Cleveland's defense is out of sight now. It's like 3.2 yards per play or something, and they've held all three of their opponents to single-digit first downs. And Baltimore is Baltimore. You know, they're already, you know, they, had, they suffered a weird loss uh, against the Colts. But I think, in a way, it's as competitive as it's ever been right and especially if you have a gimpy quarterback who, who 
concerns you the most out of those other three teams? Let me just say this. Jim Swartz, amazing. Yeah. Jim Swartz is an amazing coach because you look at that Cleveland defense last year and you look at them this year, they're a completely different unit. Completely. Them and the Cowboys, they get up the field so fast to play the run in the pass. Cleveland looks to be a little better stopping the run than the Cowboys. But, yeah. man, that Cleveland defense is remarkably good. This Sunday will be a good test because they play the Ravens. I, I want to see how they have mm-hmm. Ravens and Lamar Jackson. But the way they look defensively, that's scary. Pittsburgh, when you say the Pittsburgh Steelers, first thing you think of is defense. Uh, there is a log jam at uh, wide receiver for the Hall of Fame. I don't have to tell you. Torrey Holt, Reggie Wayne. I know running backs are getting overlooked for big contracts. Are we overlooking wide receivers for Canton? What would be your criteria under the new? Honestly, Sal, my criteria is very simple. But for some reason, this never gets applied. I don't know why. And I made this up on my own. For a period of five years, not four, five years, were you a top five player at your position while you played? And if that's a no, you're not a Hall of Famer. I have some disappointing news to share with you. My son is a freshman in college. He chose Oregon. That's good. And we liked Corvallis. We went. And uh, they had a great bowling alley and everything. I thought I thought he was actually going to Oregon <laughs> State. Or he had Colorado as a choice, too. But um, it came down to Oregon and Oregon State. And it ended up being about football. Even though you guys beat Oregon last year in your home. Now, it's, now this game is going uh, to be in Eugene. Crazy that he picked Oregon just based on football, or is it not? It's the history. (laughs) Oregon has the history, or shall I say, they have the financial backing of Phil Knight. And so when you have what they have from a financial perspective, um, you go into the locker room. It's hard to match that, and it's hard to beat that. Oregon State, we've come a long way in Corvallis just from a competitive standpoint. Now that Jonathan Smith is there, we're going to be competitive mm-hmm. every single year. I do not like what has happened. Obviously, there's nothing you can do about it with the Pac-12. you got leaders that aren't leaders but portray themselves to be leaders and uh, commissioners and yeah. presidents of these schools. They know they don't know a thing about leadership, but they're in leadership positions. You brought up the Pac-12. Um, what is going to ha- – all right, uh, you're the AD. And you have uh, more control than you even want. What do you do with this? What do you do? You just play the other team 12 times a year or where could you go? What what do you even try to do? Honestly, because of the history of the Pac-10 that has evolved to the, you got to try and exhaust all resources to save the conference. What do you do? The only thing you can do is go to these other conferences, the Mountain West, and try to get San Diego State, Boise, Fresno, bring them all in. And Mm -hmm. if you're an AD of that school and you're the commissioner of that conference, what's the holdup? Why wouldn't you? Like you should have been because if you can get all the rights of the Pac-12, meaning a playoff um, berth, and when they expand, that still stays the same. You are now in a power conference, so to speak, which equals more money, better recruiting, better facilities. I don't know what's the holdup. That's what I would do. 
I was going to, for your birthday, send you a, I don't know, like an appetizer, a towel, but it's going to be too hard to arrange. So here's what I'm going to do uh, for your birthday, $200, the Bengals to make the playoffs is dead even odds. It's plus 100. So you get all your money back. You double your money. If you put it down on the Bengals, you don't even have to think about it. I'm giving it to you for free, but obviously you laid it out correctly. This season is over if Joe Burrow, if it's Browning instead of Burrow. But that's a good number, right? Yeah, that's a great number. Two. It's a, if we can make it to the bye week, three and three. Believe Seahawks is the final game uh, mm-hmm. prior to the bye. If Joe can make it through those games and we're three and three, we getting in. We gonna get right. in because AFC South is one team coming out of there. Um, right. AFC East. Probably two, the Bills and the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. AFC West, we know the Chiefs now. Now, what's going to happen with the Chargers? Raiders and Broncos are done. TJ, thanks so much for uh, jumping on. I appreciate it. Hey, Sal, my pleasure, man. You're my guy. I appreciate you, bro. All right. We'll be right back to wrap this show up. Stick around. Welcome back to Cousin Sal's winning weekend. Hey, I have one more winner for you. It's a same game parlay that's going to make Bill Simmons spit out his Dunkin' Donuts pumpkin spice latte. I'm taking the Cowboys adjusted to minus one and a half. Easy. The Patriots under 18 and a half points scored. Yep. Mac gets shellacked and C.D. Lamb to score his first touchdown of the season. Yes, it's happening this Sunday, and FanDuel's going to boost that up for you because they're super nice people. We're out of time on Cousin Sal's winning weekend. I want to thank my friend T.J. Hushmanzada and my other friend Harry Gagnon. Turns out I have a type. Thank you, and I want to remind everyone out there, you may feel like underdogs, but please remember, you're all my favorites. See you next week.